0: Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, before we get started, I just want to share a few more words about my new book, All in the Same Boat. Well, this is it. This is your final week to pre-order a copy of my new book. It's called All in the Same Boat, Lead Your Organization Like a Nuclear Submariner. And there's only one week left to pre-order. And uh, we'll be taking pre-orders until May 15th. And that's your only chance to get into this contest that we're giving And uh, we're giving away more than 80 prizes During the live book launch And I'd like for you to get a chance to win one of these 80 prizes, prizes So you need to get your order in before May 15th And as a reminder, the grand prize is this gorgeous, beautiful, hand-carved Custom American flag from the Sasquatch Flag Company This thing is beautiful And uh, in fact, uh, uh, I don't have one myself, but I'm going to order myself one for my office uh, after I give this one away. So it's that it's that gorgeous, and um, there's a bunch of other prizes. Uh, we have coffee from the Bottom Gun Coffee Company, my sponsor on this podcast. We have coffee mugs from the Coat of Vets. We have bourbon glasses from Sailors and Sticks. Uh, those are gorgeous, by the way. Uh, they just came in, and uh, it's kind of cool if you're into uh, cigars. It actually has a place to rest a cigar on the bourbon glass. Pretty, pretty awesome. We have these Challenge Coin bottle openers from Test Depth. We have, uh, uh, we're going to be giving away two different books The Uncomplicated Coach by Neil Woodson and The Coach Approach by John Brubaker. So, all of these prizes are available for those that pre order. And uh, every book you pre-order gives you a chance uh, to win. So I encourage you to go to allinthesameboatbook.com and pre-order your copy today so that you can be eligible for these prizes. Again, it's just uh, a week left. Uh, This ends on May 15th. So I encourage you to uh, pause this podcast and go to allinthesameboatbook.com and purchase a copy today. And I believe this will be the most guaranteed, uh, the most interesting leadership book you'll read in 2021. And, uh, I'm pretty excited about it. I spent two and a half years writing and researching this book. And, um, I think it's the best, uh, work I've done. And I'm excited for you to get it, to read it and to implement the ideas, uh, in this book. You know, uh, my friend John Brubaker is, uh, always says that the best ideas come from outside your industry. And unless you are a, Nuclear Submariner, uh, you will probably learn something from this book. So learn from ideas outside your industry, and this is the perfect book to do that. So thank you for supporting this book launch. Again, you have one week to go. Thank you for supporting this book launch. And thank you for supporting the show as well. And we're continuing to grow thanks to listeners like you. And as a reminder, the best way to support this show is to visit my sponsors, BottomGunCoffee.com and EyeOfTheWatch.com. And both use the discount code DEEP at checkout. Well, that's it for the preliminaries. And uh, today my guest is, well, me. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was on the coach brew pod- podcast with my friend Coach Brewbaker, Coach john Brewbaker, and uh he interviewed me about my new book and I love the interview so much I thought I would share it with you with all my listeners uh and you might remember coach brew uh he was he's been on the guest he's been a guest on this podcast before he's a former lacrosse coach. And he's an award-winning author of 13 books on leadership performance. He's also my co-host, on the X Factor podcast, which is the other podcast that I'm on. And if you haven't listened to the X Factor podcast, I encourage you to go over there and listen to that. It's a little more, um, how shall I say it? I let my hair down a little bit more on the X Factor podcast because, uh, Coach Brew is, uh, kind of a funny guy and, um, he's always putting me on the spot. And, uh, we, we, we talk a lot about leadership and business and how to separate yourself from the pack. But we have a lot of fun doing it. So I encourage you also to go over to the X Factor podcast. So right now you're going to listen into an interview uh, with me on the Coach Brew podcast. It's a fun interview that I know you'll love. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started.
2: Welcome, everybody, to the Coach Brew podcast. Uh, After a long hiatus, and for those of you who are intellectually lazy, that's a big word for uh, break. I return with a new episode, and this is an exciting one because uh, it isn't often that I bring you a guest. This is usually a monologue. I'll still probably monopolize a conversation, but it is a dialogue. And um, my guest today is a. Um, he kind of puts the Doseckis guy to shame. I'll put it to you that way. He's legit the most interesting man in the world. Um, and if you don't know him yet, you, you'll find this out quickly. He uh, was an officer on a nuclear submarine during the Cold War, and he is now CEO of a manufacturing company, a best-smelling author. He's also a best-selling author. No, he legit smells good, (laughs) like uh, rich Corinthian leather and fine mahogany. And uh, he's got a new book coming out, which we're going to talk about. He is a good friend and colleague of mine. If you listen to my other podcast, which he would say, that's my podcast, (laughs) Uh, he's my co-host. His name's John Rennie. John Rennie, welcome aboard. Hey, Coach Brew, how are you? Officer on deck, Tim <laughs> Did I do that at, right?
0: At ease, at ease.
2: <laughs> As you was before you is. Uh, did I do that right?
0: Yeah, that was pretty good. You had, remember you that a- from
2: the, uh, the movie, A Few Good Men? That's, uh, that's ah, Good from. movie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've got some catching up to do, John.
0: We do, so last, yes.
2: Last time you were on this podcast... You weren't quite yet a best selling author. You were just yes. a best smelling author. Yes. Uh, of the book, I Have the Watch, which I might add is available at ihavethewatch.com. If you haven't gotten a copy yet, it's uh, that's, those are your first marching orders today. Excellent. Yes. So you became a best seller. And uh, I mean, I know the answer to this, but I'd rather them hear this from you uh, because I don't want to stroke your ego any more than I already do with that introduction. Uh, How long was that on the Amazon bestseller list?
0: I think at the end, we we were 14 months on the Amazon uh, bestseller list uh, under the category leadership. So, um, yeah, so it was pretty pretty good run for that book. It's still selling quite a bit, but
2: I think nowadays two we're, categories. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. So it was a bestseller under the category of leader and ship.
0: <laughs>
2: exactly. That's
0: exactly. awesome. It, it it was impressive. Yes. So, but it wasn't like uh, you know whatever Peru studies or some. It was a you know pretty good pretty difficult category to, to do well in. So, uh,
2: we were out to Peruvian studies. Uh, I'm sure they're great. I don't know. uh, Yeah. Fabulous. So, no, I, I wanted you to share that because there are so many people who game the system and put a category like they'll have a legitimate or what they believe is a legitimate leadership book. Uh, but they'll categorize it under like Peruvian studies or, um, podiatry or you know, right. animal husbandry, and sell half a dozen copies and call themselves a best-selling author. And the fact that you earned it through your own, you know, merit in a legitimate category, but didn't just earn it for a month. It was there for. Would you say how long? Four. Yeah, fourteen months. Fourteen months is crazy. By it's wildly successful by any standard. So I just kind of want to set the stage with that. And then we will uh, take a deep dive. See what I just did there? Nuclear sub, deep dive into <laughs> like a new it. book, All in the Same Boat, which is available at allinthesameboatbook.com. Yes. Um, You know, i uh, I wrote the forward to I Have the Watch, so, I'd like to take a little bit of credit at least for, I don't know, let's just say 13 of the 14 months <laughs> that it was a bestseller. Um, didn't write the forward to All in the Same Boat. Did somebody else write the forward? Is there a forward? Today, should I be? Should I feel slighted and offended that after getting you a bestseller for thirteen of the fourteen months, yes. I wasn't invited automatically? Invited back to be uh, the forward writer, the writer of forward.
0: <laughs> there is no forward to this book, uh, as of yet. So
2: much better now
0: <laughs> as of yet. So the book is in pre-order right now. It's in final, uh, final review and production it will be out by May 15th. So we're in pre-order right now. It's and, been time
2: for uh, mother's day. Right? Exactly.
0: Yeah. That cause you know, that's a
2: big reading season, right? Mother's big day Big reading season for moms. Um, right. You know, forget the mommy blogs and cookbooks and all that crap. Yeah. Uh, they're definitely uh <clears throat> they are a huge sub market for leadership books, um, in you know, about n- officers serving in nuclear subs, you know. Correct. Uh, yes. Yeah, they're real like <clears throat> they're really into uh you know patriarchy driven um <laughs> military sub genres, yes. It's so literally time for Mother's Day. Head on over to allinthesameboatbook.com and get your mom, grandma, uh, your neighbor's mom, everyone's mom a copy.
0: Yeah, why not? I think but seriously,
2: um, John, uh, you did ask me to endorse the book. And I feel like <laughs> that is, um, you know, I'm probably an okay author, like maybe okay. I don't think so. I think- um, but where I really shine is writing endorsements for other people's books. Yes, and that's like if there were a superpower that I possessed, it's that. Uh, I remember writing an endorsement for uh, my friend Dr. Rob Bell's book. Um, it was called "It's Called Don't Should on Your Kids," and it's a uh, he's a sports psychologist who wrote a book uh, about how to be a sports parent because so many parents like should on their kids, like you should do this. You should do that. I right, shouldn't. Right. Do this. Should. Yeah. So um he asked me to endorse it. And there's an entire chapter on the evils of participation trophies. <laughs> so my endorsement was, if you read this book, I will send you a participation trophy. <laughs> if you read the whole book, that's what it yeah. was. If you read this from start <clears throat> to finish, I'll send you a participation trophy. And I was just joking with him. Yeah. He said, hey, can you endorse my book? I just sent him that as a goof. He's like, that's perfect. I love it. <laughs> I'm like, he's serious. I wasn't. Yeah. He is. So um you asked me to endorse it. Yes. And I just decided that um I, I would channel that creative side of my personality. So uh, for those of you who um, haven't immediately rushed on over to all insane boat and bought a bunch of copies yet, and you're still on the fence, I'll put it to you this way. My endorsement of this book, which is fabulous. It's the classy. book, not the endorsement. Uh, it's is that the movie Titanic would have had a happy ending. If Rose and what was the guy's name? Jack. Jack and Rose, Leonardo DiCaprio, um, would have read all in the same boat.
0: <laughs> yes, that's perfect, uh, Coach Brew. That is going in the book because because uh, it is uniquely you, and uh, <laughs> it is very true. And everybody knows that Jack uh, could have lived, and there was plenty of room on that piece of debris.
2: was it like a door? Wasn't it a it was door? Like a
0: door the top of a door piece or something, yeah.
2: Yeah. So, like, everybody knows, like, you can fit two people side by side on the door. Come yeah. on now.
0: Yeah. They could have been all in the same boat, but instead,
2: well. All in the same float? The, uh, the, yeah. The options are endless. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But in all seriousness, it is a great book. Uh, right when I thought you couldn't top the first one, you went and outdid yourself. Tell us a little bit about, like, kind of uh, how long this is in the works Um, what the genesis of it was, what I find most interesting uh, often isn't just like the contents of a book. It's the backstory. Uh, What I find most interesting about songs isn't the music. It's the story behind the song And, and same thing with movies, like these things that entertain us. It's often the backstory that's more fun. And, so, like, you get to find out, you know, give me the backstory behind the movie The Fugitive. Oh, remember when uh, Harrison Ford's running away from Tommy Lee Jones' character uh, in that enormous, uh, like, uh, drain. sewer drain? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he gets to the end right before he jumps and he says, I didn't kill my wife. What's do you remember what Tommy Lee said? No. He just remember. looked at him and he said, I don't care.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and then that's Harrison right. Harrison Ford
2: yeah. jumped. It was totally ad libbed. He was not supposed to say "I don't care," but as like they're running through that scene, he and he's like remembering what he's supposed to say. He's like, "You know what? The lines in that script kind of suck. I'm just uh-huh. gonna throw something different out there." And that was like one of the most iconic scenes of that movie, and it was ad libbed. And just to get the story behind that, it's really cool. So I want to get the story behind. Sure. All in the same boat.
0: You know, I, I uh, probably about eight years ago, I started writing leadership articles. You know, I, you know, it was a point in my career. I'd done 22 years in corporate America. I did five years in the military. So I just felt like, you know, after seeing so many crappy managers in corporate America, I thought, well, maybe I'll start sharing some leadership thoughts. And I started writing a blog. And starting writing articles on a couple of different websites. Um, and then, you know, uh, that was just about the time that LinkedIn started coming out with your article that you could write long, long, long prose yeah. articles in uh, on LinkedIn. And I wrote one article way back when called 10 um, Things I Learned Living and Leading on a Nuclear Submarine. That was the article. And um, it had, uh, I mean, it just went all over the world, that one particular article. Uh, it was 150,000 people shared it, liked it, uh, spread all so, over the place. And I was so like the sub. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it went all over the place. And um yeah. And so that was, you know, and I, I wrote many other articles, but that one really had a lot of popularity. Yeah. And uh, I thought to myself, well, maybe, you know, I should expand that a little bit other than just one article. But, uh, you know, maybe the like why I think the way I think or how did I, you know, where did these ideas come from for that article, which was this 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 these five years of experience I had, you know, under the ocean really set the foundation for my leadership principles I live by today. So uh, then about uh, about two and a half years ago, I started writing the what is all in the same uh, boat right now um yeah so, so that's the art,
2: a- uh, you know article like items the 10 things and the art yeah. items became chapters i imagine yeah they became
0: yeah they yeah. eventually became chapters in the book i ended up um consolidating a couple of chapters there's really just eight chapters in the book so i don't have the quite the 10 Uh, and, um,
2: you know, government budget cuts, you get to do more with less.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other side of it was, it was getting kind of long, so I didn't want it to go too long. So the book is about 250 pages. So, uh, that's about, um, where people lose their attention span. So I want to try to keep it consolidated. So I consolidated a few of the ideas into, into, uh, two of the chapters I consolidated away, but, but it's eight chapters. And and what's great about the book is it's stories. It's all stories. It's filled with every one of the chapters, has uh at least four or five stories from my days on the submarine and then it has two stories from my days leading businesses because i also led you know nine manufacturing businesses throughout my career after i got out of the military so i so it you can see the parallels between um what i learned on the boat and then what i learned uh and how i applied that in the business world so it's It's not so much a submarine book, but you know, if you're interested in the submarine genre or, you know, what happens on submarines, this is a kind of an interesting book. You, you'll get kind of an insider look at, at submarines, but it's a leadership book. So it's, it's pulling those ideas and those concepts and showing how they actually apply in the business world
2: as well. So, so what you're telling us is, is a coffee table book with a lot of pictures about submarines, I guess. <laughs>
0: There's not even any pictures. in it. I think the only picture will be a picture of me in the back on the back page or something. So
2: (laughs) I love the fact that it's all story-based because number one, that's how we learn. That's how we've learned since the beginning of time, you know, cavemen drew murals that told stories on the walls of the cave. Like here's how to avoid being eaten by Mm -hmm. a saber tooth tiger. Like it's just how our brains are wired, but also, you know, there's so much, um, there's so much bullshit and, and, jargon and fluff out there in the leadership space, you know, management consulting, blah 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 that like it's it's all theory and and no practice. Yeah. Whereas like yours is real and it's based on real experience and it's something that you can the reader, you, the reader can apply the minute you get done turning the page on that chapter if, say, you're reading a chapter on your lunch hour and then you're about to go lead a staff meeting. yeah, You're going apply that skill, that hard skill or soft skill, immediately. It's right. not just a bunch of theory and fluff. And that's what people are looking for because there are just so many bad books out there that are written by people who are basically taking the approach of, here you go, try this, this, and this. Let me know if it works, then maybe I'll do it.
0: Right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, this is, this is real world. This, these are, mm-hmm. these are events that really happen. Now, you know, I changed the name to protect the innocent. And the other side is, is I have a disclaimer that I'm old now and I was young when I served on the boat. So it's my best memory of the situation sure. uh, as I remembered it and, and re- have remembered it uh, over the years. And, and when
2: uh, you change names to protect the innocent, what that also you <laughs> the opportunity to do is take a little creative license.
0: Yes, yeah. I may have a little. I may have put some of my some people that I you might see some names in there that I that I have as people my rivals in the world might, might come up in a name so or two.
2: <laughs> so perfect. There is uh, one chapter that I love. It's called Run Your Ship Like a Captain. Mm. Um and there is a story there um that just um by the very description that I share with you, it just makes me giggle no matter how hard I try not to. There's a story in there about a young seaman. Yes. And I can't say that without giggling and, and you know, can't keep a straight face. Um, can you tease the story a little bit without giving too much of it away? Can we talk about that or what, what can you tell us? Because I just think that is, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's funny. <clears throat> it's fun. It's exciting. But there's also a moral to the story and if you're really working in training and development at any kind of company. This is going to resonate. Can we yeah. talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, I want to, uh, yeah. So the, the it's, it's, uh, this chapter is called run your ship like a captain and, Um, one of the things that's really unique about a captain of a submarine is just, it's almost like a a college, uh, sports coach, like similar to what you were in your past career in that every time we went on deployment, every time we went on patrol, we had, and we came back, we had a shift of the crew. So you had a lot of people leave and it could be senior people. Uh, and then you have a lot of like junior people or different, different, you, you fill in all the slots. And so you would have all these about 30% turnover every, every patrol, but the captain's responsibility, just like a coach's responsibility is to train up the new people, make sure they knew what they were doing and, um, you know, make sure that, uh, they weren't a liability to the operation. Uh, and one of the reasons I call the book all in the same boat is that we were all in it together, right? Um, there, there, you know, there wasn't a lot of special privileges on a submarine, which wasn't a lot of space, right? So it didn't matter if an officer or senior enlisted, junior enlisted, we were all in it together and, even the most junior, junior sailor could turn the wrong valve and, and cause us all to die or, or make the wrong decision or do the wrong thing on the fairwater planes. And all of us are gone. Right. So we had to make sure that even the most junior person could do their job. You know, and that's part of what we did. We trained, we drilled, we 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 did a lot of repetitive things to make sure that it was like muscle memory, knew exactly what to do at any point in time, just like you do with a sports team with drills and practices and running plays and until it to became till it became automatic. And this is the way it was.
2: Train the so, way you fight, fight the way you train. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So
0: you know, one of the stories I tell in the book is again a young seaman uh, just came to the boat, and uh, we were out in the middle of deployment. I was a uh, I was relatively senior at that point. I was actually what they call a uh, a drill monitor, so I helped run the various casualty drills and events on the on the boat. And I would take notes as to you know make sure the sailors were doing everything they were doing supposed to be doing. The officers were doing what they were supposed to be doing, and we run ran this one drill, which uh, simulates that there's somebody on the boat. That has gone rogue and they're in the missile compartment and they're damaging equipment. So that's the way the drill is run. And, uh, it's called a disaffected crew member. And we're supposed to, there's a certain, you know, you, we go find that person and apprehend them. But one of the parts of the drill is that we secure all that we, we, we close and we dog all the hatches. Dog just means you lock that hatch. And, you know, on one of the, on a the submarine, these are these big round, probably, uh, five foot, you know, diameter doors that we go in and out of. And, and so, I was watching this young seaman. He locked the door. Of course, he was issued a shotgun We we issue small arms when things like that happen. So he has a shotgun on, he's dogged the door and his job is to make sure nobody passes through that door. So my job was nobody. So my job was to observe this young seaman, the youngest person on the boat to see how he does uh, in this drill scenario and uh, to see how his training is. Right. And so, um, you know the first person that comes to that door just so happens to be the captain the captain was walking around the ship so this is the most senior person on board the boat and this is a very intimidating man he's he's large he was larger than life he was he was a screamer i mean he was a he was a tough guy and uh he comes and he knocks on the on the door well the young seaman doesn't even look to see who it is he just he just yells out go around all right so I'm watching this. I said, okay, well, he did the right thing. I'm writing in my notebook. He did the right thing. So young Seaman's doing the right thing. Good, good job. He did good first test. And then bang 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 the captain bangs on it a little louder and of course at this point he looks into the hatch he's looking there's a little tiny six six yeah. inch uh window and he looks through and the only thing you see is the captain's eyeball and these bushy eyebrows he had right and i start laughing because i'm thinking oh shoot i know what's about to happen right this young seaman doesn't realize it's the captain on the other side of that door and the young seaman says go around i'm like oh, all right he's doing his job And then the captain, bam, 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 as loud as you could bleed. By the way, can I swear on this podcast?
2: Uh, I said shit earlier, so yeah. Oh,
0: okay. (laughs) Bang, 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 bang. The captain's banging on this thing, and the young seaman didn't even look in the window, nothing. He just said, go around, motherfucker. And he stood his ground, and he had no idea that the 06, the captain, the the, the man who runs this, this warship, was on the other side, of the dog, uh, yep. other side of that dog door, and he wouldn't let him through. But that was an example of the training that he was—he did his training exactly what yep. he you know, what he was supposed to do, even though the captain was on the other side of that door. And that that you know it was just one of those moments that was funny, but it was also showed an example of how uh, effective the training was. This young kid just new to the boat. Knew exactly what to do in that scenario. And he wouldn't let even the even the captain through.
2: So what was the captain's reaction after that?
0: So this is kind of neat. I tell it in the story that the captain actually sought him out later on, not not in the moment. He was still angry. But later on he he yeah. sought out this young guy and he told him that he did his job and he's proud of him, that he uh that he did exactly what he was supposed to do. And, and he said, You're not awesome. to let anyone through that, including me. You did your job. So that's kind of a neat story, but um just one of those funny things like. You know, when you see a young young person standing on their ground, they have no idea what's on the other side of that door. So, um, and that, so the, the the book is filled with stories like that that uh, give you a sense of what life was like out there, but also about how how we trained, how we operated, yeah. so that we could um, we could safely get home. I mean, we could do our mission, and we could we could all all of us one hundred percent of us return home safely.
2: Uh, it it just it's a uh, great reminder to me, of the fact that like the world would be a better place, organizations, teams, departments would be a better place if more companies, more institutions uh, literally kind of ran their ship like a captain. Yeah. More institutions invested in training in that way. Because there's attention to detail and accountability at a level that's probably unparalleled anywhere else. Like you said, someone turns the wrong knob or pulls the wrong lever, we all die. Right, you know? right. Um, uh, whereas, you know, like in, in most corporations, training is a box you check. Yeah, mm-hmm. we watched the sexual harassment video HR sent us. Check that box. Right. They weren't really paying attention, but they allegedly watched the video uh, or training is just boring. It's not hands on. And you know, that's the thing in the military and sports. Everything's hands on. Everything's, yep. you know, kinesthetic. Um, you're doing you're not checking boxes. You're actually doing. Yep. And um, it's just a, a great reminder
0: yeah in the book, I talk about the fact that the that the captain was always pressure testing us. He was always pressure testing us to make sure that we could do what we had to do when the chips were all down, you know when you know when we had an enemy sub that was within range, when we had a surface ship that was nearby, when we had a real casualty, we knew exactly what to do and how to do it because he pressure test us all the time. I tell another story in the book where I was just qualified as engineering officer of the watch, and that's the the officer in charge of the entire engine room. Now, that sounds kind of, okay, just an engine room. No, I I should mention that there's a nuclear reactor back there. So it's the officer in charge of an operating nuclear power plant at sea. Right. So I, it took me a while, maybe six months or so. And I finally qualified as engineering officer of the watch. And, and, um, so I took my first watch, took over the watch. And, uh, that means I'm responsible for everything in the engine room. And I'm in this small room called maneuvering. And I had myself, I have a throttleman, a reactor operator, an electrical operator, and the four of us operated the nuclear power plant and the entire engine room. So I'm standing watch for about two hours. It's a six hour watch. And then all of a sudden over the one MC, which is like the ship's loudspeaker, the captain says to the entire crew, I just want to congratulate, uh, uh, I think it was an ensign at the time, Ensign John Rennie for, uh, for qualifying as the newest engineering officer of the watch. He's, you know, and he, he said some really nice things about me about, you know, he, he's really studied hard. He really knows what he's doing. And then he says, and Mr. Rennie take care of my uh my reactor and as soon as he said that they ran a drill on me where they they scrammed the reactor all the rods hit the bottom at the same time and every alarm and maneuvering went off at the same time and and it was pure chaos and as that was happening he had sent the ship's photographer around the corner to take a picture of my face right when all the control rods hit the bottom of the reactor and um you know and and he was pressure testing me It was just like one, he complimented me for, you know, and he let the entire crew know that I was qualified and I was capable. And then he to said to kind
2: of get you to to let your guard down a little bit. And
0: then he yeah. and then he then he said and proved to me that, you know, how to take care of my reactor. And uh, and of course I did. And uh, but then, you know, the icing on the cake was the picture that he it was a Polaroid camera. And then he was taking it around showing everybody. Hey, look at Renny's face in the middle of this thing. But it was also it was also part of the initiation to the club that, you know, he, that picture was something that he passed around to the other officers and said, look, Rennie's qualified. Look at him. You know, you remember when you, you went through this, now Rennie has gone through this. Now he's initiated. So he's part of the club. So once you became qualified, once you became, you know, the captain could depend on you, could trust you, you became part of the club, you became qualified, you became an important part of the team. And so I think he did a really good job to, to embrace us once we did become qualified and become part of that
1: team. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. One ping only, please. As I thought, John Rennie's new book, All in the Same Boat, is right over there. It's at allinthesameboatbook.com. Your orders are to get there now. And remember, be careful what you shoot at. Most things in here don't react too well to bullets.
0: Bottom Gun is owned and operated by U.S. submarine veterans, and no one knows coffee better than the men and women who serve long hours keeping watch under the sea. Bottom Gun Coffee Company has a variety of coffee blends designed to keep you moving. From Ahab's Revenge Extremely Strong Coffee to their morning blend, Bottom Gun purchases only premium, certified, organic coffee beans from all over the world to create the finest tasting coffee you will ever experience. Bottom Gun is offering a discount to the listeners of Deep Leadership. Go to BottomGunCoffee.com and enter the discount code DEEP at checkout. Bottom Gun Coffee, the taste that's qualified.
2: You know what I love about that story? Is the fact that you just gave me the idea. I mean, it's a great story, but it's the fact that you just gave me an idea for a new segment of the podcast, John.
0: Oh, what's that?
2: So I'm going to run this on you right now. Okay. (laughs) Great book. I want everyone in my audience to congratulate John on achieving this distinction of, uh, you know, publishing his second book after making his first one, bestseller. So now like your guards down, making you feel good and we're going to pressure test you. All right. Okay. So, um, we're going to ask you a couple of questions. Um, this is the pressure test. All right. What, and maybe these are two different answers. What was, what was like the most dangerous situation or the uh, scariest? And they might be this one, the yeah. same or two different answers uh, or scariest situation.
0: Yeah. Uh, my career first
2: career under, you know, how are, how many feet underwater were you? Like 500 feet? Uh, yeah. I'm, fair.
0: I'm careful to talk about that, but I think uh, in excess of 800 feet. So okay. yeah yeah but it's uh it's it's classified how deep we go but um we we typically operated in you know if you think about the Atlantic being is almost as deep as uh Mount Everest is tall, we operated in the the shallowest part of the water stream right but gotcha. but the depths of hell were below us right, so anything mm-hmm. goes wrong you're going down and you're not coming back up right so but we did operate fairly shallow because you think about it strategically, we just had to get away from you know, the prying eyes of other ships and airplanes and things like that. So we didn't have to get too deep. But uh, my first patrol was operating in the North Atlantic in winter. And, um, you know, I think I always thought like, well, as a submarine, you get down deep enough, you're not going to feel the waves. Well, not in the North Atlantic. We were down 200 feet in the ocean and we were taking rolls, 30 degree rolls back and forth. I mean, it was just brutal. And this was about uh, 14 days we were in this storm. And uh I was a junior officer of deck, and had to take the ship to periscope depth, and we did uh what's called a snorkel evolution, where we run our diesel generator and uh the the just we just got beaten and battered and 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 just it was just it was a rough for everybody i mean everybody in the ship was sick uh and during that snorkeling operation as we ran the uh I ran the diesel generator they have the thing called a head valve, right? And so it's kind of a cool thing. It's a little stubby mass that sticks up and that's actually your input, your uh, intake and your exhaust for your for your diesel generator. Well, it has a little thing on the top where if it ever gets water over that mass, it, it shuts those valves so you don't get water inside the diesel. Well, as it turns out, I didn't know this at the time, but when that valve shuts, it starts sucking air from the submarine to run the diesel. And then the exhaust ports into the submarine, the people space. So as we bobbed up there for about 15 minutes at uh, trying to run the diesel, um, I mean, it was, we were bouncing all over the place. We were just, you know, your body getting thrown around by the time we went back down below periscope depth. I mean, they turned the lights on and it was just, everybody was just beaten, tired, exhausted, uh, because we were trying to keep the ship at periscope depth and the wave action kept trying to draw it to the surface in what's called broaching. And so It was a hard work to keep it at one level and just getting beaten battered. And then when, when the lights came on, the whole, the whole control room was filled with diesel exhaust. So it was just like, and you know, you're, you're nauseous already. And then it's like a smoke filled room and you're just, and what's interesting about that time in the North Atlantic in the, in the wintertime is that. That was like the like the high water mark for me. Like I got through that, and nothing I did after that point was ever as difficult as as that one day, that one, those those fourteen days in the winter, but also that one watch. And it became like so a high water a mark.
2: Very uh, unexpected pressure test of sorts.
0: It is. It was, and yeah. and I think after after going through that, I kept thinking to myself, you know, you know, at least it's not as bad as that day I went to Periscope yeah. depth in the Winter Atlantic. So it became like the. Like, oh, whatever I whatever I did the rest of my time on board was never as hard as what happened that day and how difficult it was and how, uh, you know, how stressful it was. And so it gave me a perspective and it made life a little bit easier for me because I'd been through, you know, kind of the worst of it. And the rest of my time, I never faced that kind of challenge again. And in the story, in the book, I tell the story that my grandfather was actually a World War II. Uh, he he served on a destroyer escort. And, um, it's kind of funny because his story parallels mine because I was a 23 year old sailor during that winter storm and he was a 23 year old sailor in World War II. He, uh, and he was in a very large battle, uh, in what was called Operation Teardrop. Uh, and it was in the North Atlantic in the middle of a really bad, um, winter storm. And, uh, they ended up sinking two German U boats. It was a, it was a really tough battle. So the parallels between his life and what I ended up doing two generations later was very interesting. And I tell both our stories in the book because I think it's kind of interesting.
2: Uh shout out to Germany. You guys lost.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um what you mentioned the uh the North Atlantic and yeah. that sort of pressure test. Um I think of the North Atlantic, I think of uh like the northern right whales that sort of migrate, yeah, yeah, and um, are are often at least up here, like going from the Canadian Maritimes down through Maine, Cape Cod, are in like the shipping lanes, yeah, yeah. So I'm just wondering, like, what's the weirdest thing you ever saw at sea or uh, underwater? Well, Would it be called at sea, even though you're not at sea, you're under or in? Yeah, no, we call them. We
0: say it at sea, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean there's just there's a lot of debris in the in the ocean. Uh you know, it's funny because we all just watched uh, that uh container ship get stuck in the Suez Canal and I've seen those containers floating uh by themselves in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean uh where wow. they had fallen off a ship and and there's bobbing there in the surface and actually that's a big wor- worry for us as a submariner because if your periscope hits that container as you're at periscope depth you could snap off the prope- uh the the periscope is a very dangerous situation, so we always are looking for the like debris, uh, like trees, telephone poles, just random things that are quiet that are still sitting in the ocean. So
2: I think probably that's the weirdest thing. Um, Does that all show up on uh, your sonar? Is it sonar, or radar, sonar? Uh,
0: so under the water, it's sonar. Yeah,
2: yeah. we do use radar when we're
0: on the surface. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, but, uh, is that no? It doesn't show up. That's what's so
0: dangerous about it. So anything it's that's small. quiet. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, one thing is kind of interesting. I tell the story about uh, we get um, some of the areas we operated, uh, mostly in the south. We would come up on the surface, and we would run on the surface for a while at night. And the flying fish would uh, be afraid of the submarine because they think it's a predator, and they would jump and they'd fly around. And sometimes you'd get up, you get up to take the watch in the morning, and there'd be just hundreds of dead flying fish on the back of the uh, submarine. And, uh, and in one story, I tell, tell how we, uh, we had some inspectors on the boat we didn't like too well. And some of the crew actually filled their luggage up with those dead fish as one of the, as a, as kind of a thank you for giving us a hard time on the inspection. So, uh, that's kind of a fun story. I tell a lot of fun stories in, in, uh, uh, in the, in the, uh, book just to kind yeah, of give I imagine you a sense there's that...
2: a lot of like sophomore humor and hijinks that goes on when you're, uh, in a submarine with like however many other, uh, you it know, a is a hundred yeah. other dudes.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it is. There's, 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 there's a lot of humor. I mean, I talk about the, the crew, I mean, you know, it, it was always, there was, there was, you know, it was almost like a, like a sports team I would think is a good yeah. analogy. There was a lot of uh, smack talk. There was a lot of uh, pranks. There was a lot of uh, humor. Um, we had one officer that, uh, you know, we call call battle stations and everybody had to jump out of their rack and everybody had their, their hair was all crazy. And, and, uh, he would commentate on everybody coming up the ladder control. He's he, like, Oh, dude, I don't think you're going to make it. And, uh, if you had like been sleeping on a pillow, you know, to have one of those yeah. like, creases across your face, he call them rack burns. And he's like, dude, that you got a rack burn. I said, you're burning up. I don't think you're going to make it, dude, you know, and, and, and it was just one of those things he was testing you, you know, and yeah. if you, if you showed any weakness, it was just he was on you, you know, but that sure. was just the way it was. And, uh, and it was probably a New Yorker. Yeah, no, I don't think he was, but the point being is he, it was always testing and trial and they wanted to see if you, if you had thick skin, I mean, they want to see if you could withstand, you know, uh, uh, you know, can you handle a joke? Can you laugh at yourself? And that was one of the lessons in the book I talk about is just, you know, learning how to just roll with the punches and you being able to laugh at yourself and
2: uh, not take a situation like that. You better not take yourself too seriously.
0: yeah. Yeah, Yeah. 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 So I think there's, it's some good stories in the book, but there's a lot of camaraderie. We were, we were, you know, we were, we were very tight and we had to be, I mean, we were, we were there for almost three months together. Uh, No one left. No one came on three months, you know, out at sea. So.
2: What, what was the, um, let me uh, set the table for this a little bit here, John. All right. Um, So number one, I think that as a society today, we have gotten so comfortable like we uh you know even even the poorest of poor live a uh, level of comfort and luxury that's probably unparalleled compared to past generations yes you know you're not uh you know you're not carrying water you know from outdoors uphill in a foot of snow into your home. Like my father had to do as a kid growing up on dirt floors, literally, you know, um, you, you you probably have running water in most cases. And, um, you know, we've got the uh, internet, which has turned the world into like, no one has any concept like delayed instant gratification takes too long. Right. Right. We've gotten so comfortable and, um, we're fighting kind of, you know, what's really an invisible war, you know, since nine 11, it's been an invisible war. It's, um, you know, largely been, you know, um, well, it's been a long, like people, it's been so long. People don't realize we, you know, we actually are still at war, right. You know, there's a war on terror. Right. Um, but, it's kind of an invisible enemy which makes you forget i think that you know the general you most of our population forget like, oh yeah we're at war or they don't realize like china's the enemy russia's the enemy but it's cyber terrorism it's you yeah. know they're not gonna show up on our shore and jump out of a couple of boats and start shooting you know they're gonna attack our electrical grid mm-hmm. you know they're gonna attack our um infrastructure and technology and you know russian bots doing things on social media to create this division it's um people think like oh you're a conspiracy theorist if you believe that no i'm a realist and that's mm. what's going on right you know, um so it's just changed so much and we've gotten so comfortable because you don't see the face of an enemy like we saw uh years ago and generations ago um during the Cold War, what was the, uh, kind of the, the scariest reality for all of you? Like, this could take a really ugly turn that would yeah. have global ramifications and not end well for anybody.
0: Yeah, I think the, probably the biggest scare, you know, I mean, we were on, we were, we carried, you know, um, very destructive weapons on board. Um, we were part of the strategic deterrence for protecting the country in the case of a nuclear war, essentially. Um, so the nice thing about, if you want to call it a nice thing about the Cold War, is that you had two nation states that had pointed very serious weapons at each other, and those... Weapons kept the peace, right? People nobody yeah. everybody knew what would happen if if you started releasing those weapons. So those weapons, in a way, kept kept the peace. And that's what I did in my career. But I think what one thing that was scary was um, you know, my is that I saw the end of the end of the Cold War why I was a submariner. So we saw there was a major coup uh that happened in Russia. Uh, and there was a time and I when I was deployed that we didn't know. Who had control over the nuclear arsenal in Moscow uh, during that coup. And that got a little a little shaky because, you know, you train, you know you're, you know, the destructive capabilities of the yeah. of the warship you're on. You but you also know that we've had 40 years of history where we haven't used them, right? Yeah. So you think that all right, it's not going to happen on my watch. I'm never going to have to deploy these things. You know, they're there. They're just guns pointed at each other and no one's going to fire, right? But when you don't know who's got control of the, you know, I don't know if they have a football like we have uh, in the nuclear football. I don't know. We didn't know who had it, you know? And at that point, you get a little nervous about what could possibly happen. So I think that probably that patrol, I was probably the most nervous, like, oh, shoot. Like, if I have to you know do it will i do it you know will i because we were just an extension of the president the president said launch we launched i mean we were just an extension of him but
2: um but yeah our button's bigger than yours by the way and it actually works
0: yeah yeah so you
2: you didn't have the benefit of like the leader of another country tweeting to the leader of our country like right right
0: yeah. So is this? I've got that, a button one... too.
2: Yeah, but ours is bigger and it actually works. Right. Maybe be the greatest line of all time. <laughs> I know. It, so we didn't no... have Twitter.
0: We didn't have Twitter back in the day, sadly. Yeah.
2: So there's no clear cut <laughs> knowledge yeah. of that. It's just so interesting.
0: Yeah, but I think that's probably the one area that I was. It was a little bit kind of. I was uh, deployed during the first Desert Storm, but you know, from uh, for the. what our boat's capability was, we didn't really get involved too much with that, but when, during the coup in Russia, that got, you know, when we started hearing there were tanks, like, firing on Parliament or whatever they call Russia, but, you know, it was just, holy cow, (laughs) like, um, yeah, so anyways, it got us all thinking, what do we have to use these, so,
2: yeah. And that, I mean, it's not that long ago,
0: no, it's not. No, yeah. I'm not that old. I'm I'm a young man.
2: No, no, seriously. Like when you think about it, it's really not that long ago, but it's so far from most people's memories. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I the, the reason I bring that up is I think we need to be reminded of that. Like yeah. the, the games changed, but you know, we're still very much, you know, in um if you want to call it a game, a game like that. You know? Yeah.
0: I I I was on a podcast it was it was hosted by a young millennial and he actually he said oh it says here you're you are a cold war submarine what is the cold war what is that what does that mean
2: and i was like what <laughs> it just means i was stationed in the arctic
0: right right so yeah, i think yeah. but you know you say it's not that long ago but i think that people have forgotten about you know that period of time after world war 2 until really uh, 1991 or so, 92. Um, yeah,
2: it's a shame we don't teach civics and history anymore. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So, but it's one of those things I was just shocked yeah. at the question. I was like, wait, what? You don't know what the cold war is? Well, I heard about something on a video game once. And I was like, oh, shoot. Uh, okay.
2: Yeah. It's just like Fortnite. <laughs> it's just, just like Fortnite, but I was underwater, kid. That's it. Right. That's yeah. It.
0: Fortnite. Yeah. And the dances.
2: Yeah. Oh, uh, I, Fear for the future. <laughs> 20 years our country is going to folks in 20 years, our country is going to be led by a group of kids who are homeschooled by day drinking parents. Think about that. Yes. Yeah. As you know, uh, the, the pandemic winds down uh, so or true. so we hope um, th- that might be the repercussions, but I want to encourage everyone to go get a copy of the book all in the same boat book dot, um, while you're there, if you haven't already purchased a copy of I Have the Watch, pick up a copy of that, too. Now, the cool thing about what John's doing with his book launch is um, fabulous prizes. Yeah. You're, you're, you're having a contest. And yes. it's some of the coolest stuff I've ever seen given away in a book launch.
0: Yeah. Tell Why us not? about it. Yeah, it's kind of interesting and and I was inspired by your light, latest book launch. You did uh, uh Beyond Stadium Status, which I love that book by the way, and if you haven't purchased Beyond Stadium Status yet, I encourage you to pick it up. It's one of my favorites. Um and it I, I love Stadium Status and this uh, the sequel was uh was just as good if not better than that. So uh the
2: sequels I, usually are, you know, like new Coke is better than Coke, right? Wait, no. Alvin and the Chipmunks the squeakle best Chipmunks movie, right? never, never saw sequ- the sequels are usually better than the original. Hey. So I have high expectations for all in the same boat. Yes. <laughs> well, so what are what, what's the contest? How do people enter? How do they win?
0: Yeah, it's real simple. So we're in the we're in the pre-order right now for the book and we're going to run uh, pre-order up until uh, May 15th. And so if you order a book uh, anytime during the pre-order period, even if you've already ordered a book, um, you are eligible for a drawing that will occur during our uh, book launch, our live book launch. We'll do that on live Instagram and Facebook. We'll do that May 15th time frame. We'll announce that shortly. But um, every book you purchase during the time gives you a ticket uh, for the drawing. And our first uh, our grand prize is this really amazing, beautiful, hand-carved American uh, wooden flag that uh, my friends at Sasquatch Flag Company uh, have made, and it's gorgeous. And He's it's one of those real. Things.
2: And he makes flags, folks.
0: Sasquatch is real.
2: Sasquatch isn't real. <laughs> we have proof, and that proves John Rennie. You saw yes. him in the Periscope somewhere uh, while you were patrolling in the Pacific Northwest. Right. You guys responded, and here we are. You're retired from the military service, and you got the you got the guy making flags for you. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: So it's it's uh it's one of the things i'd I'd want in my office i do not have one eventually i'll have one of my own but this one we're gonna be giving it away we got things like coffee from bottom gun coffee coffee mugs from code of vets bourbon glasses from my friends at sailors and sticks i've got these challenge coins that actually are bottle openers uh from my friends at test depth and then we actually
2: have uh, you had me at bourbon glasses (laughs) I know exactly.
0: But then uh, Coach Brew uh, is, is, is offered up. We've got 50 winners. We'll get uh, uh, John Brubaker's book called The Coach Approach. And that'll be one of the uh, prizes we give out on May 15th. So anyone that orders the book uh, in the pre-order, uh, period gets a chance for the drawing. And so the, you know, it's a good chance you'll win a lot of winners in this, uh, this drawing we're doing. I think it's just something to do to make a little more fun. And, um, I've got a lot of friends at these different companies. So, um, you know, they're going to help me, I'm going to help them. We'll get their name out. They'll get my name out. So it's just, we'll work together on
2: this. So So I'm kind of like the consolation prize. No, you're the, you're the, you, I got 50, I have 50 books to give away. I think it's Belly's great. what he's won, Bob. Well, he didn't win the brand-new Cadillac or the vacation to Tahiti, but he's won a copy of John Brubaker's book, The Coach Approach, Success Strategies from the Locker Room to the Boardroom. You could resell it on eBay for $5.99. <laughs>
0: yes so my wife which,
2: would tell you i am the consolation prize john so i mean <laughs> you could try and like stroke my ego and try, try and refute out, try that out. all you want massage it not happening i'm the consolation yeah. prize and this contest is proof you can win the flag <laughs> bourbon glasses challenge coin bottle opener um coffee or the coach approach by john P.
0: Yes. Well, it's uh the nice thing about uh, your gift is that there's going to be 50 people going to win it. So a lot of people like the hop.
2: participation trophy.
0: <laughs> Everybody wins. No, everybody's not going to win because we've already, we've already sold more books than prizes already. So, well, so. Uh,
2: that flag is awesome. If you've never seen these hand carved wooden American flags, yeah. uh they're phenomenal uh, Sasquatch. It's not really his name. It's not really Sasquatch. You know, no. He's the real Sasquatch is busy, you know, hiding from Sasquatch hunters. But uh, Sasquatch Flag Company it does amazing work. I was just on their site. Uh, he's got a cool Instagram as well, and that's yeah. uh, just an awesome prize to win. I think everybody ought to have one of them hanging in their their yeah. office or their their den or their man cave.
0: So yeah,
2: that'll be really cool for somebody.
0: Yeah, I just thought we'd do something to, to, um, you know, I've got a lot of friends that, um, you know, different industries, different companies, and uh, I wanted to try to feature them and they could feature me. So it's kind of win-win. We help each other out. So, um, yeah.
2: That's awesome. And it also makes it, you know, it makes it fun for the author when you're launching something, you have a contest. And it creates a little buzz around it. And, you know, we uh, we spend so much time marketing and promoting. It's kind of fun when... We get to do something novel and cool like that. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah,
0: I'm pretty pretty happy with that, and um, so I'm I'm excited that we can do something a little bit different on this book launch. But um, yeah, so far the the sales have been incredible. Um, you know, as far as in the pre order period, we've had sales to uh, Australia, we've had New Zealand, we've had India, we've had um, Canada. It's another country, right? It's
2: the North. It's like America Junior, I call it. Yeah, yeah, America, yeah. June America's hat.
0: I, I th- to think of it as like your attic, like you, you forget it's up there. But sometimes you go up and you're like, oh, there's some cool things up here.
2: We just throw like all of our crap up there. <laughs> and in return for punishment, they sent us Justin Bieber and Nickelback. I know. It's so terrible. I think we kind of got screwed in that deal. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I actually sold, uh, sold one into Russia. It's going to Moscow. And it was like, oh, shoot, I wonder what I said about the Soviets in this book. You know, maybe think twice about maybe. But um, I'm sure they'll appreciate the historic nature of the book. So, but somebody in Russia. He
2: had a chance of winning vodka glasses.
0: Right, exactly. No, there's no vodka glasses at
2: all. So, <laughs> that's awesome, John. I'm really glad you came on. Uh, we didn't even get to the McKinley story. Um, oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. Though no, there's a good story so about.
2: Like, um, I, I yeah. think people need to buy the book because the McKinley story alone will be worth the price of admission, folks. Trust me. And I will make this offer as I do. I don't do this for everybody. I do this for my good colleagues who I know do quality work and are incredible writers who actually uh, practice what they preach. Uh, I I make the following offer. If you buy the book and are not 110% satisfied with your purchase, I will personally buy it back from you. I will buy your copy back from you. So uh, if you buy a copy of John's book and you're not happy, I'll pay you cash for it. I'll send you your 20 bucks, you know? (laughs) Um, And I say that because anytime I've ever done that, I've never had anyone complain or uh, ask me to buy the book back. I did that with, I have the watch done that with our buddy, Dr. Rob Bell's books and um extending that same offer because you know they're uh yeah we live in a uh society that i think the the trust level of the public of anything each other uh the marketplace anything has never been lower so you know i want to uh endorse and support things that i know my audience and my people really will value enjoy and get a lot of benefit from and uh, i want to encourage you to to uh Take my word for it because if Jack and Rose would have read All in the Same Boat, Titanic would have had a happy ending. Yeah. It wouldn't have been uh, Celine Dion, uh, that song at the end of the movie. It would have been like Cool in the Gang. Right. Yeah. Celebrate <laughs> or something. Right, cool, I'll stop man. singing now. I'll stop singing. <laughs> Head on over to com. The link will be in the show notes. Everything you need to know about this podcast and this episode and John Rennie and John Brubaker will be in the show notes down there. Um, and yeah, you get your marching orders, sailor. Go by the book, <laughs> John. Closing, uh, closing words I'm gonna let you. Take us out of here. No pressure. No pressure, pressure test. You get to end the podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah. Thanks for, uh, thanks for listening in. Uh, buy the book. Um, get up, get, uh, be part of this drawing that we're going to have on May 15th. This will be the most interesting book you'll, you'll read in 2021 when it comes to a leadership book. I guarantee it. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely full of stories. If you have any curiosity of what life is like under the ocean, This is a great book. If you want to know how those translates into running a business, leading a business, you're going to love this book. So go buy it and uh, buy it now so you can get a chance to win some of these
2: valuable prizes. All in the same boatbook.com. We'll catch you in the next episode of the Coach Brew Podcast. Thank you.